Hello, good evening, and welcome to the Sunday Night Breakdown. Daniel Routledge and Dave Forrester with you, looking back over all the action this week in the British Basketball League. A couple of trophy games in midweek is where we will start. Uh, Wednesday night, uh, Worcester 102, Manchester at 96. And uh, the way this game started, Worcester were red hot. It looked like Manchester were uh, were in a lot of trouble, but then the Giants came back in the in the second half and made it a really close game in the end. Yeah, lots of both teams with lots of scoring. Mm. Um, I don't think going back to this game, I don't think Matt Newby played Williams and Parks together or hardly played them together at all. So he had um, shooters on the court and good spacing, and um, they made a ton of threes. But the thing is, Manchester enjoy that because Manchester pick the ball out of the basket and they go back down the other end. And they have enough scorers um, whereby it's actually possibly their best chance to win a game, to be going up and down um, like that. And I think it isn't the way that we are used to seeing Worcester play over the past couple of years. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they kind of migrate back to, a, to, to the way they were more systematic at the beginning of the year. Um, but they have a lot of talent, um, a lot of athleticism and a lot of scoring. Everybody can score. Um, Manchester have exactly the same, but Worcester have more discipline than Manchester. And discipline's a big thing this week. Oh, nearly every game I watched this week mm. has been about discipline. I watched um, in the third quarter of that game, I think Brian Brady spent three consecutive possessions um, looking at a referee as opposed to looking at the game. So he got a foul call, he got to the foul line, he kept talking and he got a technical warning. Mm. And then within three minutes, he did all the talking, he got the warning and one of his teammates shrugged his shoulders at the ref and they got the technical. Yeah. It might have been Cassell. Um, and they got the technical. And you know that's not, you, you can't be like that if you're going to be where you need to be in the big minutes in the big games. So with Manchester, just discipline. Discipline, discipline, discipline. If I was Brian Brady's agent, I would be really frustrated because the guy is so talented. He's quite um, effusive when he talks. He, he's clearly an intelligent guy. He's got every, he's big. He's got moves. He doesn't seem to be able to play a game without mm. getting into it with somebody. Yeah, you know, and he just has to cut that out because he'll not get a job. So this game then basically comes down to the last last couple of plays and 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 Martin Boutnick with two massive three point shots at the end to win the game for his team. Yeah, and you know he's he has he's a guy who actually his game has just um, first time I saw him he played us in a friendly at the beginning of last season and Matt only had half a team and he came into Newcastle with half a team and you looked at Boutnick and, and and you thought he's going to be solid but he's very European. Mm. You know, he's taking his time. He was looking to make the right play. He was going to the right spot. And I think he's been freed up by the BBL mm. and by having more responsibility. And you see it now in his game. I don't think it's as much that his game has evolved. It's just that he's been freed to, to play differently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he's such a confident guy. And he can shoot the ball. And he, he, he's a very heady player. And you know what it's like? If teams have made 15 threes in a game, then it's not a surprise when they make two in the last minute. yeah. Because they're all in rhythm, and, and you know, it's who, who has the ball last, who makes the smartest play last. And he is probably the, the headiest player on the court on either team, with mm. maybe a shout out to Anderson as well from, from Worcester. So it wasn't a surprise to me that he stepped up and made the plays when they mattered. As you say, he's, he's still got that European style to his game, but just freed up a little bit to do things that, that perhaps if he was playing in, in yeah, Greece or Italy or somewhere like that, he wouldn't be able to get away with. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's move on to the uh, other trophy game Thursday night. London 76, Leicester 71. And uh, I was watching this game and first quarter, Johnson and, and Lee hitting threes. Leicester got in front. They were 12 up, but it felt like it could have been a lot more and they could have actually put that game away early on. Yeah, London were way out of rhythm early. I, I love this game. I love watching this game because it was the first time, I think, this season that I've seen two good teams actually properly scout each other, properly take away stuff from the opposition and decide, you know, and, and, and make plays and, and, and make um, determinations as to how they were going to win and how they were going to lose the game. Um, Leicester struggled initially because, um, well, not they didn't struggle initially, but 
they, they struggled subsequently because Jackson didn't play. Mm. So Anderson had to start. So they got more defence, a little bit less offence. Um, but what that meant was that Anderson could guard Liggins. You know, Anderson's a perfect matchup for Liggins. So, so they were taking Liggins away early. Uh, in the meantime, um, London were throwing everyone at Crandall. You know, it was Dirk Williams, Liggins, um, Ware. So Justin didn't have to guard him. Uh, and, you know, and I think Gino had to play 38 minutes at the end. Mm-hmm. And, and for the first time this season, I think he was actually impacted by, not by the, the fact that he couldn't, not, not by the, the fact there was someone guarding him he couldn't play against, but by the, the continuous extent of it, the fact that it went on for so long uh, and he didn't get any break because, he, because Rob knows how important he is to them. And so that kind of was a, a thing which bore fruit at the end of the game for, for, for London. Um, but you're right. I mean, London should have been, uh, Leicester could have been out of sight early. The difficulty is Leicester got nothing from their bench. Um, and the thing is, Leicester gets so many good, get a good shot every time down. They play a four out. They always have four three-point shooters on the court and one of either Nelson Henry or, or Fraser. Occasionally, Lee might play the five and have four more shooters. Occasionally. And because of that, you have to decide how you're going to lose to them or how, how, you, how they're going to beat you. Do you either sag down and let the three-point shooters kick it out and get shot, or, or do you play one-on-one in the middle, in which case you're hoping that you can defend Nelson Henry and, and um, Fraser. Um, difficulty, well, Leicester got good shots at the end of the first quarter. Rob took Gino out, I think, the only time in the game with like four minutes to go in the first quarter. Mm. So that was the only break he got. And then Ali Fraser came in and... and um, subsequently fouls on and they got Ali Fraser some good shots but he couldn't make them yeah uh, you know he could you know he was around the rim for whatever reason his touch wasn't there he just just they weren't trying so I think he was like one of five and six minutes and the problem that they have in those situations is everyone's doing the right thing they're getting good shots but because they're playing four out they've got no offensive rebounding mm. so if he doesn't make those good shots yeah. You know, the spacing helps you make the shots. But if you don't make them, you don't get the rebound and, you, and the game slows down because the ball's going inside and it becomes goes away from what they do. So I think Connor and Ali Fraser were 2 or 16 mm, you know, right, in yeah. the game. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, that, and that's something that against London, you've got, you really struggle with. The thing that got struck me about London was they are basically playing um, NBA basketball. They are ahead mm. of, I don't say ahead of their time, but they are different to everybody else in the league because... They put up 41 threes in this game. Um, and eventually, you know, the weight of threes mm. just it means you're never out of the game. Yeah. Dirk Williams, Justin Robinson, Kevin Ware, DeAndre Liggins, those guys, they're never out of the game. It's, it can be nine points in a minute. Well, because we and actually that's that's what happens because Leicester could have had a bigger lead going into halftime and Dirk hits a three at the end, so it was only six. And then Leicester got a, I think it was a nine-zero run at the early in the third, and they get up, and then it was Dirk and Robinson and Walker and Liggins all hit threes, and suddenly London are in the lead. And yeah. in the end, it comes down to the to the final final couple of plays. And, and Leicester had their chances. They had some shots. They had, uh, I think Johnson had one in the corner. Wide um, open in the half to go. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and it doesn't go. And, and then I'm interested in your take on the, on, the, on the final, on the game-winning shot, in essence. Josh Ward-Hibbert in the corner. I got into it on Twitter with, with Kieran Achara because Kieran thought he was a little bit too far in. But number one, it's a great shot. Let's not take anything away from Josh Ward-Hibbert. But number two, I'm thinking of the five guys on the court shooting a th- who would could shoot a three. He's probably fifth, and I'd worry about Justin coming around that pick and roll and attacking the basket. Yeah, the um, I mean, it's, yeah, the, absolutely. There's, there's two two things about that. Firstly, Vince, mind reader, genius. Call him what you want. Mm. I mean, genius. I go. Josh Ward Hibbert has played four four minutes in the whole game mm. with um, 90 seconds to go. He's got Orlando Parker on the bench with four fouls, mm. could go in the game. And Vince decides it's going to be Josh. He's played four mm. minutes in the whole game. And I'm sitting there thinking, what is your logical, evidential basis for putting Josh in the game at that point? He's not in the flow of the game. There's nothing. Obviously, it's big game for him because it's his old team. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously Vince realised he was going to step up and score five points in the last minute. So <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. But yeah, so that, that's co- that's a coaching decision though. He didn't have to. He didn't have to make that decision. No. He did. So he knows his players. So yeah, and it worked. So when it works, you give him credit. In relation to the shot, um, it's a tough one because you know you don't want ever to give up what we call strong sided corner threes. And the strong side is where the ball is. So if the ball's on one side, and the opposition have got a guy in the corner. You don't want them to have a one-pass corner three because a corner three is a very, very good shot. You want them to throw it across the court to the other corner so you can scramble out and run them off, etc. The other thing is you're up two. So at that point, um, do, do you want to be in a position where the guy can get a look at the basket from three? Probably not because mm. you, you know, you're up two. Um, what him shot as far yeah I, I think on, on a personnel situation it's a great decision for London a great decision mm. for, great decision for Leicester sorry mm. great decision for Leicester that Ward Hibbert has to shoot the ball he hasn't touched the ball in you know in half an hour you know great decision on a structural situation you would be saying to William Lee you can still dissuade Justin Robinson's drive because he's got Nelson Henry in front of him as well mm. by being another two feet out of the paint at that point. You know, and then if Justin decides to go, you can make a decision whether to shuttle in to take a charge or whether Nelson Henry's got a hold of it and you can stay in the corner on Joshua Hibbert. He didn't, he made that decision kind of easy for them to paint the pass because he wasn't there. But he's a long guy, William yeah. Lee. You know, he can cover a lot of ground in a long time. Yeah. And, I think it's probably, and Ward Hibbert still ends up on his backside. He ends up on his backside. And if you look at the point of release, you know, there's a challenge. Mm. So, on a structural basis, you do not ever want to give up a strong side three on the first pass. You know, we, you know, it was it was Flannoy's pet hatred. Mm. Um, it just doesn't happen. Um, you stay on that man, then you make them go somewhere else. But on a personnel situation, yeah, they could have got a better they could have got a better shot than that, and he knocked it down. Mm. And I think um, the possession before, I think, um, I think Justin has made a great play on Gino, and Gino gone in the lane and kind of yeah, the ball off him as down, well. Yeah. You know, so, you know, those those are the players that games are made on. Decided. Yeah, decided on. Um, the other thing I want to say, I will say, look, I'm, obviously I'm big into numbers. Um, look back at the, the stats in that game and, and the turnovers were about the same, offensive rebounds were about the same. But on their shot distribution, London had the opportunity of scoring 198 points. And on their shot distribution, Leicester had the opportunity to score 177 points. Mm. So those extra threes, obviously you don't just want to be coming down and jacking it up any from anywhere. No, no. But those extra threes, you know, they give you an extra, you know, basically 12% more potential points if you make the same amount of shots. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the way the NBA is going. That's, you know, in London are kind of at the forefront of that in our league at the moment because they've got mm. so many shooters who can light it up. They do indeed. Let's move on to uh, Friday. Lions through to the next round to play Newcastle, by the way. Um, let's move to Newcastle on Friday. Eagles 70, uh, Sheffield Sharks 90. And and Sheffield really came out. I mean, Eagles scored the first four points, but Sheffield came out of the blocks and they were up 10 inside the first quarter. Yeah, it was a 20-point game, but it wasn't actually that close. It wasn't mm. as close as 20 <laughs> points. Um, and it was a bit like the London Leicester game. Somehow Newcastle were only down six or seven at half time, mm. and Sheffield could have been out of sight. Um, and then in the third quarter, Newcastle imploded, discipline. Um, they were nine points for the Eagles in in the third. That's I think if, I think the nine points all came in the last three and a half minutes. Yeah, they well. did. Yeah, there was a, there was a six-minute spell without scoring. They just imploded in that time. You know, you could see that they they mentally and physically weren't attuned to the game. There's a number of reasons I think for that. Firstly, they played Sheffield four times, if you include the preseason game, and won four times. Um, secondly, they're coming off seven straight wins, including the cup finals. So at some point there is a letdown. And thirdly, Sheffield are not the Sheffield that they've beaten four times. Sheffield mm. are a different team. Offensively, they're a different team. They're a far more um, uh, powerful, um, far more weaponized team than they were at the point when Newcastle beat them before. But overall, um, they... Eagles basically weren't really ready to play, and the Sharks were ready to play. And as I say, if they'd won by thirty, it wouldn't have been, mm. it wouldn't have been unfair. And the other thing, which and the only guy I think, you know, probably, I mean, I think Fletcher and Edwards were six of twenty-six. Six of twenty-six, and also it's, it's the opposite of the Lions. Newcastle shot 11 threes in the whole game, mm. four of eleven. Now, you know, in, in 
modern day basketball. If you're yeah, only getting eleven threes up, you, you space it, you know, and your guards in particular, I think Fletcher and Edwards shot three between them, didn't mm. make a three in sixty odd minutes. If your two starting guards don't make a three point shot in, in sixty minutes, you're gonna struggle to win any game. Mm. Um but then that discipline went the only the only the only, the only um kind of rider you can give that is that the one guy who would be capable of keeping Newcastle in games um, through energy and hustle and, and aggression is Gordon. And Gordon got hurt mm. in the first quarter and came back out, but he was dragging his leg. And he, I don't know mm. he hasn't played tonight. Yeah. So I think losing Gordon hurt them as well. But Sheffield were really, really good. Sheffield, they were locked in. They, um, they started they, they start basically five out with Mike Tucker playing the five. And Evan Maxwell couldn't guard him. Um, because he made a couple of threes, he drove to his right, kicked one on, and he, he just too too smart as a stretch guy for Maxwell, who's a big guy. Um, Maxwell scored a little bit at the other end, but Sheffield guys got in the rhythm as a result. And then um, the team has cut his rotation down, so he's playing eight guys basically, mm. and they're all um, impactful, and they're all looking to make plays. And um, when they have the right intent. Um, defensively, which they had on Friday night. I'm not so sure if they had it today, but they had it on Friday night. Um, they are a re- they're going to be really, really tough. Yeah, um, five, so yeah, five so- guys with 12 to 14 points, and, and they all pretty much, Lewis aside, shot the ball, shot the ball really well. Good win that for, for the Sharks on the road in Newcastle. Um, also a big win on the road for Plymouth on Friday night, 104-82. They won at Worcester, uh, Raiders with 12 in a row to lead 18-6. They were up 20 uh, in the second quarter. And I must admit, I was watching this back on Synergy and put it on double speed because there was very little going on in the game. Well, it was, it was crazy. Really. It was a crazy situation. I think at one point in the end of the first half, uh, Worcester were down by about 10 and they'd made nine out of 12 threes. Mm. You know, they, they'd shot the ball because they, they were on the run in the second half in the second yeah. quarter. And they shot the ball really, really well to come back into it because they've got all these guys. Um, they Lawson got hurt, I think, in this game because mm. he didn't come out, I think, maybe at the end of the third quarter, the end of the second quarter. And Lawson, he didn't play the following night. And he's a big, he's a little bit like Gordon for Newcastle, to be honest. Mm. He's their only real proper four who can defend inside but also shoot outside. They have mm. McSwiggin, who's kind of a shooter but struggles to defend the bigger guys. Um, obviously, Elan's a little bit too small for that. And then you've got Jordan Williams and Parks, who are better off basically in the middle as fives as opposed to fours. And I think when Lawson went down, that, that, that really kind of hurt their spacing and their, their chemistry. Um, Plymouth, Ricky McGill. Yeah, 22-8. Uh, and 22-8. And, and, you know, and he is the piece because the rest of them are, are the rest of them are flying and they are... Um, they have, the, they have the ability to be explosive on the break and they're now beginning to turn their defence into offence because defensively, um, they're not great, but they're in your face. Mm. Um, they're always in your face. They have confidence that they have size behind them in eBay in particular, but also at Cherubia, Morsell and Hamilton are long and athletic on the wings and McGill and um, Ubiaro and Portapunt are also uh, athletic. You know, there's nobody you'd look at on the Plymouth team and think, right, I'm going at him. Yeah. And um, that, um, so, so the, the defence has always been there, to be fair to PJ. Um, it's their offence, which has struggled a little bit. And as I say, if Ricky McGill is knocking down shots and, and, and going to be a, a top point guard in this league, um, then they become very, very difficult to beat. They certainly do. Uh, let's go to the uh, to the game in Bristol on Friday night. Bristol Flyers 69, Cheshire Phoenix 71. Ooh. This was a funny old game. I've got a couple of stats I just want to throw out before I let you go. First of all, <laughs> Flyers 5 of 16 around the basket in the first half. I, I looked it up. Delpesh 1 of 7, Baker 1 of 5. Cheshire weren't much better, 9 of 19 around, around the basket. And the other thing was that the score was 53 29 after 25 minutes so they were 24 points down in what turned out to be a 140 point game that's an amazing achievement really to get that far behind in such a low scoring game it is and to get back to it yeah and get back and then to get, get back, back. To the yeah it's crackers um they don't really know where to start because they're both teams who are kind of in flux mm. um bristol missing lockett lockett's their main 
transition scorer. Um, and in the BVL, transition points get you a long way. So missing him is a big hole. Um, Cheshire playing with basically two seven-footers coming off the bench, which, mm. you know, and, and having to integrate big guys um, into a team which has been playing very well small, because Lowell's back and Brian and Manning's in. Mm. So their kind of cohesion isn't great. Bristol have always had a um, Achilles heel with their with their finishing in the paint. Um, Del Pesce is better this year. Uh, Dozy's always been hit and miss, um, whereby they blow more bunnies, more shots that they should make than probably most teams. Um, they get they kind of get that back with their their the aggression. They create more shots than most teams because they're over the floor, all over the glass. They're at the rim. They're they're playing aggressively. Um, and you don't know if it's because of lack of space, or it's just because they don't finish particularly well at times. Mm-hmm. And you know, I thought in the first half it was the latter. I thought in the first half they just missed, missed, just missed. You know, yeah. and that can just be as easy as being, you know, are you locked in? You know, are you? And that's a, again, that, that's a basketball phrase. What does it mean? Mm. It means, you know, mentally, you know, a, a player who is who is ready, who is absolutely there is a who is absolutely locked in for a game, will go four or four. Will will be there at the rim. Will be finishing. It it, it, it can only be a little thing, but something else throw, else can throw you off. Um, they miss Thomas Edwards a little bit. He's their glue guy. Um, but McCall, mm. you know, I mean. Um, Mockford made a tough shot as well. Yeah, let's 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 do that bit first because obviously I thought Cheshire got a little tight towards the end because suddenly this twenty-four point lead is getting smaller and smaller. Yeah, Bristol by converse loose because you know what difference does it make at this point? They're gunning Mockford uh, yeah. and Wiltshire hits a, a, a three as well in a thirteen-two run, and then again they're just slowly, 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 and then Mockford. As you say, that's a heck of a shot to make there with four seconds to go. Their first and only lead in the game with four seconds to go. Yeah, albeit I think the Cheshire defender went under the screen. He did, yeah. You but know, he's, in defence of going under the screen, he was four outside way back. Three, yeah, yeah, he was four or five feet outside yeah. the three point line. Albeit I'm telling you now, with Ben Mockford, I'm never going under the yeah. screen. <laughs> never. Yeah. Yeah. There is no, there is no defence for going under a screen for yeah. Ben Mockford because yeah. the guy is, is the pure, one of the purest shooters we have, and he, his range is unlimited. Yeah. Um, so that that would have frustrated me, I think, somewhat if I'd been Ben Thomas. Um, yeah, and but and then you know, and then you know, he plays the most impressive defence on Michael. He gets there, he shows him to his left, he gets on yeah. his left side, he makes him jump sideways, he double clutches and he makes that shot. And yeah. you know, Ben Mockford just turns to Andreas Kapoulis and he's like, he was like, What was that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. What can I do? It's not my fault. Amazing. Yeah. The reaction was like, How on earth did he make that shot? And, Which is know, basically what the rest of us were thinking too. Yeah, and, and to the point where by even the Cheshire guy seemed a little bit surprised. It, yes, uh, I noticed that. It was like, almost like there was a delay in the celebration from them as yeah. they sort of computed what the shot was. Um, and it, 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 it's it's an absolute gut punch for Bristol. I mean, they, I, I gather they still haven't won a home game all season, apart yeah. from 20 mil or something yeah, like that. Yeah. You know, it's out of 20 mil. Um, but to, to you know the energy and the effort you know and the feel good factor of coming back from twenty four point deficit yeah to 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 get over the hump to play yeah. till the end to do all the things as a coach you're so proud of and delighted with and, and then it, to defend the final play and then, then to do nothing the wrong final play to do nothing wrong but Mike McCall makes shots mm. um, you know there's not many guys in our league at the moment who've had a fifty point game in our league and Mike mm. McCall's one of them mm. um, and actually part of what Cheshire have to do better, I think, is finding a way of unlocking him a little bit more because at the moment he's coming off the bench for them. Um, and, he, you know, he seems to be playing in spurts. Um, and, you know, he's probably a little bit better than that. Mm. So we'll, we'll wait and see how they how they do that with him. We will. And just to show you what, what the, uh, the weirdness of the plus minus was, he was a team worst minus seven. In the plus uh, for winning the game on the final shot. I don't suppose anybody in the locker room would be complaining too much. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Let's move on to the uh, to the TV game Friday uh, night, which was Manchester eighty six, sorry, uh, ninety three. Uh, this was as 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 expected, up and down. 
in the first quarter, almost no defense played at all. 31-27, it was just ping pong one end to the other. Yeah, well, the, Tony Hicks is part of the reason for that because Tony Hicks is a one-man fast-breaking. Mm. If you're not aware um, that he's a one-man fast-break, you're going to be in some difficulties. Um, the, the, the last guy like him, I think, was probably Chris Alexander at Sheffield. Because mm. Chris Alexander got the ball 80 feet from the basket and we used to say, look, he needs to see somebody underneath the rim. Yeah. <laughs> if he doesn't see somebody underneath the rim, at that point, he's going. He's going and, yeah. and by the time he's over half-court, it's too late, you know? Um, and Tony Hicks is exactly the same. If you let him go north, south, straight, straight line drive, then um, he will score. He'll score very quickly. He puts tremendous pressure on the defense. Um, Manchester have these, you know, Sam Cassell is really taking it up a notch in relation to his shooting, in relation to his, his comfort level. I think he's lost some weight. I might be wrong. So apologies um, to Sam Cassell if I'm wrong, but I think he's in better shape than he was at the beginning of the year. And um, they're just obviously one American down at the moment. Mm. Um, I initially thought that they were playing a little bit better help defence than they were last week because I you know, kind of slated them a bit last week. And I watched it both the game on the Wednesday night and the game on Friday night. I think it's primarily Donovan Johnson. Mm. He's the one who plays the help defence. He kind of gets mm. involved, he's, you know, waves his hair, his hair flies around, he rebounds, he, he tries to block shots. Like, made some shots as well, that as well, shots, at the other yeah, end of the ball, yeah. I like, I like yeah. the way he's been playing. You know, I think Rob Sainelli took two, play, two players' heads off in one play. <laughs> um, but Manchester's discipline, um, I, I was, I put something on Twitter about one of the calls in that game, which, you know, has it, been a, a bugbear to me all year. Watching so many more games than I ever used to do, because in the past, I just used to watch the teams that play the Eagles and focus mm. on them. You might have to watch it twice, but now I'm getting to watch all the games. And the refereeing in the league is generally good. Um, but the the fact that I think, you know, Rickman can get called for a foul and go storming off to the table and and make a show of everything. And, and quite rightly on the commentaries, everybody praises the refs for for just letting the emotion play out because that's the way it should mm. be. Let the emotion play out, you know, don't get silly. And then Whelan may or may not get fouled and he claps his hands and he gets an immediate tech from mm. the same ref. And I just don't get that. You know, it frustrates me. It frustrates players. I know it frustrates Danny Byrne because he's got enough problems with text going on at the moment. Everywhere at the moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think reading between the substitution patterns, and I don't know this, but it appears to me that they've got a rule there whereby if you get a tech, you're coming out. Mm. Because it's the only way that he's because every time someone gets a tech, they're out and they stay out yeah. for longer than perhaps you think they would. Wheeler didn't come back in the game for a while. And it might be the only way that he's, he's able to get the message across to them. Um, but in the end, um, sorry, just made more plays. Um, Lacey James um, looks like a, a, somebody who can play in the league. Um, he settled down after after the, the fouls, obviously, but he settled down, made some plays, got some range, a little bit of passing ability as well, and decent size. Um, the question Mac will be about... McLemore as well, four or yeah. five uh, threes. He's had his struggles from the three-point line. That was yeah. Well, I mean, he missed he missed six open ones at Leicester. Yeah. I know he's yeah. been on Twitter complaining about how, how what's he got to do to make a shot. But mm. he can shoot. He's a pro. He's been around. Um, they they have they still have this kind of logjam of guards, mm. um, whereby you're not quite sure who's going to be playing. You got Hicks, you got McLemore, you got Walsh, you got Hildreth now, and you've got um, Raf Topless. Five guards is probably five playable guards is probably one more than you really want. Mm. Um, you know, it's nice to have them for a 30 game season, but it's not nice in each and every game because mm. somebody's not going to play as much as they want to or as much as they deserve to. Um, but overall, they got some stops and Manchester ran out of scoring. And the, the scoring Manchester ran out of was probably Hexham scoring. But mm. so not having Hexham meant that, you know, Johnson makes threes. Ulf gets his rebounds. Brady um, got into a bit of a slangy match with Ryan Richards in this mm. game, from my memory, and they were talking at each other. So he took himself out of the game a little bit. Wheeling got his technical, so he had to sit down, and they don't quite have enough extra scoring at that point. They also, four guys playing 20, 20 minutes, 29 minutes plus, yeah. um, and sorry, had none. So, yeah. so there's well, a bit that, of a that fatigue does, down there. I mean, that does help. And, um, mm. I don't know, but uh, I tend to find that guys who shoot a lot don't get tired much, mm. you know, because they're not they're not necessarily expending a tremendous amount of energy down the other end. But 
eventually, if you're going to want, if you're if you're playing games to win 196, mm. then you need to have all your scorers. And if you're one, <laughs> if, you're, if you're a 21 point scorer down, um, then you're not going to win the game on your defense by making it 80 to 80. Then you're going to struggle. Yeah, reinforcements on the way. Apparently, at least one uh, potentially this week. We hear, but we'll see. I think they need uh, a wing, an athletic wing. Yeah. Let's uh, move on to Surrey uh, Scorchers again. 75, Worcester Wolves 77. Wolves off to a, a great start, 13-2. But Hicks and Richards, who played well in this game as well, yeah, reeled it back into 28 all in the in the second quarter. Yeah, I mean, Worcester, I mean, Surrey came out like a team that had won the night before. Mm. And they were like a days ago, and, and Worcester were all over them. Parks was Parks started, and Parks was full of energy running the floor, beating them down the floor. Um, Worcester then played like a team that had also played the night before, but had played in a hard physical game, and they looked mm. at times gassed um, mm. as as the game went on. And um, they didn't, you know, they were an excellent three point shooting team, and I think there was something like three or fourteen or three or fifty. Mm. They didn't make many threes at all. I'm in this game and they were short. They were all tired looking short shots um, to the point whereby um, it was Surrey's game. And as you say, Ryan Richards actually mm. stepped up. And the reason Ryan Richards, and I hope Creon is emphasizing this to him, the reason that he got going was because he got three layups mm. just by way of his skills down low. One, he spun, spun over his right shoulder. Once he, spun, he put his left shoulder down and he's at the rim. And, and he's got six points. And then suddenly when the kick out comes and he's got an open three, he knocks it down. Yeah. You know, and it, it, it's, it's not, a, it's, it is a science, but it's not a science. It's not, a, not a hard game like that. If you feel the ball going in, you're more likely to make those shots, mm. you know? And so hopefully, and then he started making little mid range shots as well, which is actually yeah, something which you really want him to get into the habit of. You want him to get out because you know, one can defend him. Um, his size and his touch, Mm. You know, it, it, on the foul line, he's undefendable in this league, mm. but he doesn't go to the foul line. He, mm. locked, he, he goes down in the post or he pops out to the three-point line. And what I'd love him to have is the default 15-foot game. Yeah. And to, and to have the content, the willingness to do that. And then yeah. occasionally step out for the three as well. You can not, do that from the pick and roll as well. We see yeah. it with Defoe all the time and he just slips to the, to the free throw. Yeah. You stay, the big guy has to stay in line with the, with the, um, the ball hand. I know in front of him. But just behind him, so he can come back, and as the ball can be slipped back, he shoot the shot. And you'd love him to get kind of that because he really should be effective in this league. He should be, mm. and so far this season he hasn't been. So this was a great thing for him. And actually, Creon will probably have his time back, and he'd probably say that he shouldn't have took him out with the three minutes to go in the fourth mm. quarter because Worcester were gassed. Um, and Matt went. Matt made a really smart coaching decision. He went to a zone for about the last eight minutes of the game. Mm. A two-three zone, and you know at that point, Surrey have got a lot of moving parts who haven't played together much. They got um, Lacey James, who's probably not won't know any of their zone players at mm. all. He's only got there that week, um, and um, you have discipline kicking in again mm. because Tony Hicks manages to foul himself out. That was uh, I've got it down here somewhere. He fouled out. His first foul was with six thirty-three to go in the in the ball game, and his yeah. fifth foul was at two thirty-seven. Yeah. So four minutes, he picked up five fouls. Yeah, and all the time, Worcester in the penalty. Mm. So also basically, they gifted Worcester way back in by indiscipline. Mm. And again, this is another. I'm not going to admit this into a referee's pitching session, but given some of the unsportsmanlike fouls I've seen called this year. Mm. If you hit somebody flushing the chin with an elbow, that is an unsportsmanlike foul, mm. whether it's deliberate or not. You know, that is putting a player. I, I cannot see any justification for that not being an unsportsmanlike foul. Mm. You can say, "Oh, well, it's an accident. He had the ball in his hands." You know, it doesn't matter. I mean, if you, you, you know, Henry Wilkins got yeah got his clock cleaned by touching <laughs> the elbow. Yeah. And how, you know, we see all these kind of touch unsportsmanlike fouls yeah. on the half court, and I get that, and I get what the rules are. Yeah. But the first, the first. Um, uh, the first factor for a referee has to be the protection and the safety of the players. Yeah, yeah. If someone's hitting, if someone's elbowing somebody in the chin, deliberate or not, not deliberate, um, that shouldn't be a decision for the referee to make. It's an unsportsmanlike foul. If yeah. it's deliberate, it's a disqualifying foul. So the, so the clarification yeah. for, for, for the listeners uh, is in transition, basically anything from the side or behind is an unsportsmanlike foul. Doesn't doesn't really matter. Uh, 
yeah yeah and the um uh the also if you're deliberately stopping the break yeah, without in that situation yeah. uh, without making a play on the ball whereas in the half court so uh, so that the classic one was anderson uh, against london gets called for one where he's trying to stop the clock because london have got the ball and they're already yeah. up three and it's yeah. called an unsportsmanlike because they're in transition versus i forget which game it was uh, uh yesterday oh it must have been it must have been this game at the end yeah, where there's, there's a foul at the end yeah. and he just sort of grabs him yeah. but because that's in the half court it's just a regular foul yeah it's interesting isn't it mm. Uh, <laughs> but that's the way the rules written so you can't the... yeah but i think the 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 if you grab someone from behind in the half court i think that's some sports night as well personally well um, in that in that regard in that regard it's it's spirit and intent i think yeah. is the bit it comes under yeah. under the, yeah, so under the that, it's, it's tough but, and i don't want to i don't want to criticize because referees for that but I, for me as an absolute starting point is if one of my players gets his cut, I have an elbow in my face. But anyway, that, so let's go back. Let's go back yeah, to this game. Let me just uh, so yeah. so Richard's and one with four and a half minutes to go. It's 73 64. Yeah. Surrey did not score a field goal again in the game, not a single field yeah. goal again in the game. Mm-hmm. Anderson scored the last 15 points of the game for uh, uh for his team. And and went nine of ten from the free throw line in those yeah, fifty. Oh, most of them in the penalty. And I'll get to Anderson in a minute. But um, sorry, as I say, they went to a small small lineup. They took Richards mm. out. It Creon worked on the basis that I need my shooters in against the zone. So he had Kaelin, he had Hildreth, he had um, Teo, um, Lacey James, and I think um, Walsh or Macklemore, probably Macklemore. Mm. Um, and those guys, unfortunately, they had no chem- they had no chemistry against the zone. They didn't know where they wanted to get the ball. They really needed, I think, Richards's presence in there. You might just get a cheap offensive rebound against the zone. You're not getting boxed out. Um, a target in the high post. They didn't really have that. And obviously, they didn't have Hicks's quickness because Hicks had managed to get himself fouled out yet again. Um, which meant that their discipline went. And because every time they're committing fouls, they're letting Worcester, who are not basically other than Anderson, able to make a play at all. Even Anderson didn't finish many plays. Mm. Um, he was bailed he was, out. He was four of 12. Scored yeah, 22 12. points. He was four of 12. Yeah. You know, so he's bailed out on multiple occasions. This was a, this was a discipline loss. That said, um, Anderson uh, is um, really interesting. He's, he's an Ivy League player. He comes from Brown. Mm. Um, and we had a guy from Brown about 10 years ago called um, Damon Huffman, who's a point guard. Mm. Yeah. And Damon was... Just about the most favourite favourite player I've ever had. Almost not not, fit, not one of the favourite players to ever coach. He could he could be a coach in the NBA. He's running some multi million dollar company in America at the moment. Mm. You know, just different level of intensity and um, knowledge and nous and toughness and understanding of the game. And sadly, we didn't win anything that year because Rob had a super team and they beat us in two finals. But even so, people never quite understood how good Damon was. Brandon Anderson is what I sort of seen in like three or four games. He reminds me so much of Huffman because he had the he had the toughness in that game to understand what needed to be done despite the fact he played the night before mm. to stay in control to show the toughness to knock down foul shots to not be dissuaded and, and just chucking up a bad shot to understanding that he needed to attack to understanding that the opposition were in meltdown and to, to finishing players as well and what I really loved at the end and you have to, if you watch the video back, you'll see after they win the game, or as, as they just knock, as um, James misses the tipping, and, and mm. as they walk off, he gives it the bye bye sign to the Surrey bench or the talking sign mm. to the Surrey bench, as if to say, You're not talking now. Yeah. You know, so he, you know, he, he's let his game do the talking. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, as opposed to other guys who've let their talking ruin their game. Yeah, yeah, and that's a big difference, and that kind of toughness is something that um, you can't teach. And Let's it comes maybe quickly get to that to the to the final final two plays. Um, yeah. Hildreth, very similar uh, out of bounds to the one where he hits the game winner last last week against uh, yeah. uh, uh, Thames Valley. Didn't go in this time. Teo with the offensive rebound. No, he missed. 
I don't know how he missed that either. And then on the on the deliberate miss free throw by uh, by Kalen Raftopoulos, Lacey got a hand to that and had a decent tip. And you think, right, how do they the not score? How do they not score? Three no goes clue. at it. I think the thing with Hildreth was the difference between the Thames Valley and the Worcester game was the size of the defenders. Mm. You know, it was a tougher shot because he was in in a less um, in an environment with less space, more mm. physicality. Um, Jordan Williams in their longer arms, etc. Mm. Um, but he got to the rim, which is you know, yeah. which makes good things happen. And as you say, you know, Taylor got the rebound, missed it, and they went down the other end, made two. The foul or not to foul strategy is still mm. um, a big one for me. I mean, they were up, they, Worcester were up three, and they chose to foul. You know, the last foul I thought was um, you wouldn't want to play Russian roulette on you know on anybody's yeah. life with that foul because Kalen was actually dribbling inside the three-point line, mm. and Bonet kind of grabbed him from behind. You know, it's you know not yeah. probably enough, but you know on another day at another time a referee calls that on sports from right, yeah. and particularly when you've got him when when you're up three, you know there is the argument to say, guys, just. You Let don't need to defend inside the arc. You know, five yeah. of you, five of you on the perimeter. If yeah. they go past us, we don't care. They got to. They, we'll throw the ball in. Yeah. Another three or four seconds gone. Uh, and to kind of, if you're going to foul them, he's got to be in front of you when you foul them. And yeah. the risk then is that he turns that the smart player throw, realizes it's coming and throws it up and gets three shots. Jay Kuznar did it at uh, at Surrey a few years back. I yeah, so it's a brave, brave thing to, to deliberately foul in that situation. I think it's too brave for me. I'll be honest. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm the same. Again, on Twitter, Achara talking about tonight's game is like, should they foul? And I'm like, play some defense. Just yeah. play some defense. You know, the, the, the yeah. worst is, you know, we were, I, I always had this, this fi fixture in my head, you know, the kind of the, the, the coach's pain theory of, of what could go wrong will go wrong. Yeah. Um, the Pat and Austral theory, you know, we're at 12. <laughs> you know, we're, we're all the same, to be fair. Yeah. Um, we foul. Um, he makes one, yeah. then they tip it out for a three, and we lose a yeah. game. Uh, didn't no. you guys do that against Worcester? Didn't you guys do that where they fouled you deliberately about three, two, three years ago? Or was it Leeds? It was Leeds. It were, I think we did make. There was one game we made. It, we made a game it. where they actually they fouled to stop the clock, and you won the game. They fouled yeah. to stop the three, and you won the game. Yeah, I think so. I think I think we got the ball back. Maybe Fletcher made yeah. play and. Um, got fouled again, I think, something like that. Yeah. It, got, it, it got us to overtime. I remember that. Yeah. Got us to overtime. Um, but yeah, the, it's just dangerous. You know, it's just, it has to say, it's too brave for me. Um, yeah. I don't trust, the, I don't, I wouldn't have trusted my players enough. So uh, <laughs> let's, let's shift on now because yeah. uh, well, just to say, Brian Richards' 19 was his, the, his best scoring performance since his second game in the BBL. He looked comfortable. Uh, he looked yeah, good. he did. Yeah, he did. <laughs> let's go on to uh, today's games Plymouth Raiders 70, London Lions. Uh, 87. Um, I mean, this just neither team could put the ball in the basket. It, it, you know, it was really low scoring, low shooting percentages. Hamilton gets in foul trouble in, in the first half. And, and because it was so low, it was, they were never really out of it. Liggins had uh, half the half alliance points in, in, um, in about yeah. 18 minutes or something. It was like 32, 25 or something. Discipline again, you know, Hamilton's third fouls are technical. Mm. If you're Hamilton, you cannot pick up. You're so important to your team. Mm. You cannot pick up a technical on a third foul, a third foul on a technical in the middle of the second quarter. Mm. This can't happen. You know that's a losing play. Whether it's a, I don't know if it was a justified technical. It may well be it was a, a quickly blown technical, and the ref shouldn't have called it. But mm. Ashley's got a few this year already. You know, mm. so you, you've got to be smarter than that. Um, Liggins took this game personally. From the mm. beginning, from what you know, I spent most of the time watching this and kind of glancing at Sheffield and Leicester. Mm. And I thought Liggins was excellent. He, you know, he was commanding his guys around, and he's really got a chemistry with Dirk Williams going. Mm. Um, I thought Justin was a little bit off the pace initially, and there was a few kind of shrugs, shoulder shrugs, and Liggins not finger pointing, but there was a little bit of um, body language stuff going on. Um, but they took it personal, I think, because they lost to them in the league mm. two weeks ago. Last uh, week. Last week, sorry. They lost them in the league yeah. last week. Uh, and, um, he, he, yeah, Liggins just, just kind of ran. When Liggins decides he wants to be a scorer, that's really big for them. Yeah. Um, because he knows he can score. 
but he's primarily scoring at the rim. And when he does that, he puts so much pressure on the opposing defense and it creates space for Ware and for, um, uh, for Dirk Williams in particular. And as I say, Diggins is such a good passer that, you know, Dirk is a perfect outlet because you throw it yeah. ahead, you dunk it, you throw it, he runs to a spot. If you hit the spot at the same time that Dirk hits the spot, that ball hits the spot, then he's making a three. Yeah. And um, and then you go three, six, nine. Um, Plymouth played like a team that had won six in a row. Mm. You know, that, that, that it is so hard to keep going. If yeah. you're a young team and everybody and other teams have got a little chip on their shoulder about because you've just beaten them and you're trying to beat them again. And they were a little bit um, off the pace. Their guard play wasn't as aggressive. I think they had like 23 points close to the end of the first half, mm. um, which really isn't gonna isn't gonna get it done. And then in the third quarter, um, the Lions kind of blew them away. But they blew them away with defense and with Dirk in transition and with uh, and with the threes that we've talked about. They had, they had they had a run across the third quarter from forty six fifty two to forty eight sixty nine. Dirk had 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 nine of them, and that that basically killed the game. At the uh, end of the third quarter, back, yeah. at the end of the third quarter, I think it was I think it was eight points. I, I put out a tweet. Raiders have shot twenty seven points from the field, twenty seven percent from the field, and yet they're still just about in this game. They, I mean, a minute later, they weren't in the game yeah. anymore. But you just you. You can't win a game shooting. They ended up at 29% from the floor. You just can't. Yeah, your, your guards have to be able to make shots. To beat London, I mean, your guards are going to have to play really, really well because um, they have enough bodies to throw at you and enough, le- enough length to throw at you. You're not going to beat them time on time at the rim. You don't get many uncontested shots against them. Um, you know, and, and they, they think about Tawaya comes in and they throw Faro in there. You know, mm. and then they throw Shane Walker in there. And they've got all these athletic guys on the perimeter. So, you know, you need to be on your game, but you need to be making shots. You need to stretch the defence out so you, so they can be stretched out so you can create the space inside. And um, and as I say, you know, that's Miguel, that's Porter Bunton, to a certain degree, that's Marcel, Rubiaro. I mean, certainly the scouting report on Plymouth would be, you know, to, to, to protect the paint and make, mm. these guys, make these guys make shots. Um, mm. contested shots but make them make contested shots you're not going to go running at them and letting them go past you and attack the rim because they're, a, they're, they're an athletic team going to the rim Liggins and Williams 25 points each they took uh, just over half the shots but they shot at 60% and 55% so oh, more than happy to do that oh, Liggins was awesome in this game yeah yeah so let's go to Sheffield. Uh, the Sharks 93, the Riders 107. That's the most points Leicester have ever scored uh, in Sheffield. Uh, Nelson Henry with uh, 10 uh, points early on. Leicester got 19 aid up. Uh, Cook got a couple of fouls in 52 seconds, came off the bench, went straight, straight back. Uh, and Riders just really comfortable uh, in, in, in that first half. I mean, in the end, Lewis hits a couple of threes and it was down to 10 at half time, but but Hemsley aside, Sheffield didn't have a great deal offensively and Leicester got whatever they wanted. Yeah, um, no, Leicester's offence is great. I mean, it's mm. easy clear about this. There, Everybody knows their role. Everybody goes to where they're meant to go. I can tell you what play they're going to run the first play of the game now. You know, mm. yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a cross screen for Jackson. It's a cross screen for Nelson Henry. He's going to catch the ball in the post. He's going to make a layup. He's going to catch the ball, not even in the post. He's going to catch the ball under the basket. And he's mm. going to make a layup. But it's not just that. It's just that they, they, they space the court so well and they move the ball so quickly that they know where their attack points are. And um, Sheffield came off like a team, started the game like a team who'd won by 20 on Friday night. And maybe thought they cracked it a little bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it does happen. It's a, it's it's you know you you, you know it's, it never happens with coaches. Coaches it doesn't happen with coaches, but it does happen with players. Mm. So play, you know okay, and suddenly Leicester came out like a team that were really frustrated that they lost that game at London. Yeah, you know, and their offense when it is unchallenged, not unchallenged, but when it is worrying in the way that it is worrying. Um, it was wearing is 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 a figure of beauty. Now that said, I've developed something called the Connor test, mm. which is basically if the first time Connor Washington gets the ball, a defender stands at him six feet away and watches him shoot a three, <laughs> which happened in the corner in this case. Yeah, yeah, then you are, then that team <laughs> is not locked in, right? Yeah, because. Yeah. He is, we've talked about it before, yeah, he yeah. is nailed on one of the best shooters we've ever had in this country. 
Yeah. And he's not, and, and I, time after time, watch, you know, watch it. Now, he didn't get those looks against London on Wednesday no, night. No. And I watched Sheffield, and, and it's like, you guard him, no, you guard him, no, you guard him on the screen. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, okay, I'll shoot it. And he's yeah. 43, 44%. Yeah. And, you know, when you see that, you realize that, you know, hang on, you know, the Sheffield guys aren't, you know, they're where they're meant to be on defense, but they're not making decisions. They're not making it difficult. And when um, Nelson Henry dominates to the degree that he did inside, and then to be fair, Fraser did as well. Fraser got those points as well. Yeah. You know, um, it was, um, it's never going to change. I thought there was one interesting thing about Leicester, though, because um, for the first time this year, Crandall played the whole first quarter. Mm. And up until this point, Rob's been taking him out at about the four-minute mark. And he's mm. generally been playing the whole second quarter. But what's been happening is, I think, certainly showed in the London game and, and probably in a couple of the other games as well, when he comes out and all the bench guys come in, the bench guys aren't getting into a rhythm. So what Rob decided to do was to keep Crandall in the game with the bench guys to help the bench guys get into a rhythm. Mm. And because it's easier for them than just to have Connor as the only ball handler. Mm. And obviously, Gino creates stuff for other players, and particularly Fraser, but maybe shots for fouls or shots for Washington as well. Um, and they run smoother with him. And that meant that instead of kind of going off to the customary 20 point in the first six minutes and then kind of mm. slowing down a little bit, which yeah. they have done, they just kept going. Yeah. So I thought, that, I thought that was a great move. A great move. I think that'll be the way they go, they go the rest of the way. You know, Gino doesn't need to come out for six minutes. You know, he's, mm. he's, playing, at, he's playing at his own speed. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I'm glad he made that move. I think I think it would make a significant difference to them. Uh, Sheffield will still be tough, but you know they 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 got to know that if you play in the Leicester, you play in London, um, you've got to be given a different level of effort to what they gave tonight defensively. They did get it down to to eight, and Leicester finished the third quarter eleven two and pulled it out to seventeen. It was pretty well, pretty. Got, they have a lot of shot makers, Sheffield. Yeah, they do. They yeah, do that, you know, if, if they yeah. get both sides lined up. Yeah, um, you know, really tough, um, but you know, not tonight. Indeed, uh, Nelson Henry. You mentioned him twenty uh, twenty three point seven rebounds, six assists. That was his best game uh, in the BBL. How many minutes? Um, twenty five minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Twenty five. That's, yeah, yeah. that's just ridiculous production. Yeah. You can't beat you can't beat Leicester if he goes off like that. In, in no, no. You can't beat them. Uh, Bristol uh, Flyers 66, Newcastle 74, no Gordon, no Lockett uh, for the two teams. Eagles get uh, two of their bigs in uh, early foul trouble. They obviously started Defoe and the other two bigs both got two fouls early on, um, but but Fletcher just didn't matter to him who's out on court. He just, he just dominated that first half. Yeah, I mean, he was he was having a bounce back game as well mm. because I know him obviously, and he will not have been happy with the way that he played on Friday night. Mm. Um, he had like five points, he had eight, nine turnovers on Friday mm. night. Yeah, um, and you know he got a technical, and no, sorry, Gordon got a technical, but anyway, he got he got frustrated, and you know he just he just will have been. And, and what the, the great guys in this league do is occasionally they do have games where they're not where they should be. Mm. But then, but what the, what what the reason that they're they're great guys in this league is because their mentality allows them to bounce back. So he came out with the mentality without his partner in crime, and Gordon is basically his partner in crime for mm. the lobs and dunks, you know, for everything that they get. He gets lots of assists to Gordon. He well, when he when I saw he wasn't playing, I I feared for them because they were yeah. playing the same team for like the fourth time in in about three days. It feels like yeah. they seem to play each other every week. Yeah, and to be honest, he's Gordon is the the one guy that they don't have a. Realistic replacement yeah. for they have you know Defoe, Maxwell, and Adeniki are basically all fives. Mm. Defoe can play the four, but you know they prefer the spacing with him at the five as well. Um, and you know then you're looking at like Sayers, you know as a four who can play the four as a stretch, mm. but you don't really want him going down Pesh, no. you know. Um, so yeah, it was a, a real a, a real gut check for them to be honest because um, they play what Leicester on Wednesday and then they mm. play Sheffield again on Friday. Mm. So you know, realistically, that could be four losses. Yeah. Without Gordon, if Gordon, I don't know if Gordon can play or not. Don't know. I don't know. Um, but um, you know, that is a you know a, a serious schedule without your 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 the MVP of the Cup final playing for you. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and I think Fletcher realised that, and Fletcher showed up basically, and, and you got the impression. Certainly, I've, I got the impression from being around him for so long, from having watched him for so long, 
after the first quarter, that was a game that he was not going to allow Newcastle to lose. And there are yeah. certain games where that happens. Um, go on, go on. Then let me get, let me give you a long run into this because I know I know it's uh, I know it's one of your favorite favorite yeah. topics. The first two quarters were pretty poor, poorly finished by Bristol. The third one was a disaster of the way they finished. They had the ball to make it a one-shot game, and yeah. they end up turning it over, unsportsmanlike. They're down eight, and the game was gone a minute into the fourth. Unsportsmanlike, and they gave up a, a 15 foot to Edwards sitting yeah. on the buzzer. Yeah. So a four-point game with a chance to yeah. make two becomes an eight-point game in one, yeah. in one second. It is just crit. I'll just go back because this is what told me that Newcastle weren't locked in on Friday night against Sheffield. I think at the end of the second quarter in that game, they had the ball for one shot and they they went up early and they got knocked out of bounds and they, mm. they shouldn't have gone up. And then they threw it back in again and Defoe shot a 12-footer with like 12 seconds to go. Mm. And I'm thinking, these guys are just not, they're not seeing this game. They're not in this yeah. game. They're not locked in because their, their mentality is wrong. They're, they're, they're not making smart decisions. And... Um, and that is obviously then multiplied for, for Bristol in those situations as well. As you say, at the end of the second quarter, Eagles get a layup on the buzzer mm, from Fletcher, yeah. you know, on a fast break, two and one, you know, with three seconds to go, which basically means that Bristol have a shot or two early and then they've um, they've not got back. And then the six points at the end of the third quarter. So that's four points in the third quarter. So that's and there was a, points. there was a, I think it was a shot clock violation and then an Eagle score at the end of the first quarter as well. Uh, so I mean, there's yeah. at least there's at least 10, 12 points. points there. Yeah, and that's the game. In a game no. they've won by eight. Yeah, that's the game, and, and you know it's basic level, and it's stuff that people doesn't don't necessarily see, but it accrues. It it builds up over the course of the game, and it makes massive differences. And winning teams make those plays. The losing teams don't make those plays. Um, against that, you know, Bristol. It's tough. It is, and I, I do give Bristol a little bit of. Um, leeway without Lockett. Lockett is a, a massive guy for them in transition. Um, he's their one. He's a little bit like Gordon, to be honest. He's their one true um, athlete, wing athlete. Mm. Um, and they're probably more reliant on him to score than Newcastle are on Gordon because Newcastle has Edwards and Fletcher, whereas um, Bristol have Okrafor, who is more of a pass-first point guard, who got aggressive in the second half and it was better for it. Um, the other thing was that last time Newcastle played Bristol a week ago or two weeks ago, Wilshire made five threes mm. and he never got a look tonight. So they changed their screen and roll coverage to the point whereby everything was a very hard hedge. The big guys were coming way out on the line of the ball. They just were not giving, me, they were not giving up anything to Wilshire from the three-point line. You can't give up with, with Josh Wilshire. It's no threes and no foul shots mm. because he will beat you from the three-point line and he will beat you from the foul line. And yeah. you've got to make him shoot tough shots in traffic. And they did a far better job of that today um, defensively. I still think Newcastle got some issues. Um, Defoe and Adenikin playing together just doesn't look right to me. I mean, maybe it will. Maybe the chemistry there will improve. But it takes they take up kind of a lot of space. And particularly defensively, I'm never quite sure which one's got it is. It is covering the back, which where they are in relation to Some each other. Some of that is Gordon not being there as well. Of course it is. That, that's why it happens. Um, but um, they also got a nice little cameo, eight points from Laska. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, Laska gave him some good minutes. He eight points, knocked down his foul shots. And those points around the um, around the quarter break, the third quarter and fourth quarter, really helped carry them through. Because, mm. you know, I mean, that's, and the final thing about the Newcastle thing is that... Um, you look at the plus minus in the game, and again, it's individual plus minus. It's one mm. game, mm. Um, but the, the guy who has the highest plus minus shot two of ten from the field. Yeah, yeah, that, that's Defoe. Defoe plays twenty and nine. Right, so let's move on to the final game of the weekend: Cheshire Phoenix sixty-two, Glasgow Rocks sixty-seven. That was a trophy uh, quarterfinal, so they are through to play the winner of Newcastle against London. The Rocks made their first. Four threes of the game. Jimbo come back into the lineup. He's got ten of the first sixteen for Newcastle, and then the Rocks missed everything. I think they went they went um, twelve oh for twelve from from three point range. They went seven minutes without making a field goal, and the lead went it went from a tied ball game to a twelve point lead for the Knicks. And at that point, it just looked like they were going to run away with it. Yeah, maybe they thought that too. Mm. Um, I like firstly, uh, thank you for starting Johnny Bunyan. I'm glad he started uh, mm. 31 minutes. I think they are better with him. Um, the, the minutes distribution of the rocks was was 
what looks like it should, what it looked kind of like it should be to me. Mm. Um, given the, the, the players that they have in the roster, maybe Browning can play a bit more, maybe Jack Donnelly can play a bit more. Um, but you know, they've got the, 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 the players out there on the court who need to be out on the court for most of the time. Um, Cheshire, yeah, they're stuck betwixt and between. You know, they've, they've got an athletic team and they've got two seven foot or two six ten, six eleven guys, mm. um, both who started on the bench. And you know, Jimbo played 20 minutes, Matthew Bryan played 12 minutes. And any minutes that you play with either of them are different to minutes that you play without them. Mm. And even minutes that you play with one of them is different to minutes that you play with the other one of them because they are different players and they have different understanding. And obviously any minutes that you play with both of them are, are, are entirely different again. So you're, you're almost asking a team to um, play with you know three different formulations over the course of the game. Uh, and that, that is tough for players. Um, and so I thought it was a game of lineups. And in the second half, when, when Glasgow got into their rhythm, um, Cheshire became a little bit staccato, a little bit stagnant, um, and didn't know whether, to use a phrase, didn't know whether to stick a twist until it was too late. Then they started attacking again when they started attacking again and being aggressive. And I, I don't mean attacking by throwing the ball down in the post and watching Jimbo Lola, watching Matthew Bryan catch the ball. I mean, the guards being aggressive and looking to create things for them. Then um, Glasgow got a bit tight and, um, you know, and then Cheshire actually could have won the basketball game. Um, yeah. So, still have- so- let me just give the numbers on that. So, so they had a 23-9. They had a 7-0 start to the third quarter. 23-9 overall took the lead. They ended up 11 up with five to play. And as you as you say, that was the point that, that they got really tight. Knicks, 10 in a row to make it a one-point game. Now, I'm intrigued to to see what you think about the the final timeout, if you like, from, from Gareth, where he chose to advance the ball in that situation. Now, there's there's two things. Number one, they were struggling to get the ball over the halfway line. They, 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 they'd had pressure, so that would be, say, advance the ball. But number two, there was, I can't remember if it was 26 or 28 26. seconds. Well, yeah. 20, so there wasn't, there wasn't much outside the shot clock. So obviously that changes the way that Cheshire will, will play the game. Because now if you advance the ball, they'll play defense rather yeah. than, rather than foul you. I, was, I mean, I'm, I'm always a little bit skeptical of the clock on the screen. Um, so you know, before you make yeah, that yeah, yeah, judgment, yeah. you'd like to know exactly how much, how long was left in comparison with the clock on the screen. Um, my preference would always be to, to run as much. If you've got the ball in Europe, you, you've got you know you've got to trust a professional team to keep a hold of the basketball mm. to get it over half court in eight seconds, and um, you, you know, and, and they have twenty four seconds to run down. And if they want to foul you, you get into the foul game. That's brilliant. Mm. They foul you, then we have to make foul shots. If we can't make foul shots. We don't deserve to win. Mm. Um, instead, um, he put his team under pressure to make a shot. Now, there's, as you say, there's a difference. Because Glasgow are probably the team that is least. If you had to pick a team in the league who you would feel comfortable pressurizing and not fouling, and doubling, and trapping in the last few minutes. Glasgow, because of their youth, and also because of their lack of athleticism in the backcourt and lack of size, are the team that you would do that to. And I can understand Gareth not wanting to take that risk Mm. and saying, well, we're going to make a play. We're going to make a play, and if they come down, and we don't make a play, and they come down and make a play, well, so be it. I mean, even if you know they get fouled and they get to the line and they win, they're up two. It's still a three-point game, so Cheshire's still have a shot. My preference. I mean, if I could get, you know, it's, it's, so it comes down to personnel a little bit. You know, if you have Crandall or, or Fletcher or one of those guys who is low to the ground, you know, who can dribble the basketball out, who no one's going to get the basketball off. Mm. You just got to get the ball and bounce under your own basket and yeah. um, and throw it to them, um, trust them to make foul shots. But if you haven't, maybe not. What happened was Delph made a hell of a play. He did, yeah. You know, um, because they took, I think it was Keeling, chucked up a mm. tough shot, a tough um, baseline shot. You know, Delph was on the, on the offensive glass. And um, again, he could have thrown it back out, <laughs> you, yeah. know? <laughs> you know, they're up. Well, again, there's ups and downs of that, isn't there? There's one thing, as he scored, I my first thing was he could have kicked that out and took some more time off the clock, but actually, you know, points if on you, the board. If he makes it, he's, he yeah. makes it the right decision. If he misses it, it's, a, it's yeah. what the hell were you doing? Um, yeah. But he made the play. You know, and with young players, 
and he is a young player, you don't really want to get too much into their heads about yeah. doing this and do that. There's only certain players who have the kind of the wherewithal about them at that point to kind of forget everything they've ever been taught and, and do something different. There's always a risk that if they turn around and throw it out, they may throw it in their own backcourt or something similar yeah, yeah, as well, yeah. um, if they're working against that. So, no, if you're a seven-footer, you catch the ball six feet from the rim, go up and score. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, it's it's like the, it's like do you foul the three point shoot or not? You know, yeah, in yeah. perfect world, yes. Do you trust your players? Maybe not. You know, do what you do what you're good at. Do it to the best of your ability. Um, but yeah, no, I'm I'm, I'm delighted for them. They they, yeah. they got the game out. Cheshire were I think pretty pretty gutted at the end yeah. of that game. You watch their guys walking off to the the locker rooms, which is just yeah. obviously on the, on the baseline at the court. And it was, you know, there were some pretty solitary marches going on. Yeah. I don't think they expected to lose that game. No. But as I say, you know, if you've got two big guys, and I think Jimbo had 20 points in 23 minutes, but he's coming yeah. off the bench. If he's going to play, I think you have to start him. You know, I think you have to, the team has to get used to him playing. He's not really a guy you can come in and, and ask the rest of the team to adjust to a change of pace for. Mm. Um, and um, that's the problem with moving pieces in the middle of the season. You know, you've got so much of this league is about um, getting the. You've, everyone's got everyone's got so many pieces. It's putting the pieces on the right squares at the right time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and you know having them available, and um, and what 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 impacts you about doing that as a coach is injuries, is new signings, uh, uh, you know, and is the way that a team is playing comfortably um, and playing well together. Integrating somebody can be just as hard as losing somebody. Yeah. As you say, great win for for Gareth and for the for the Rocks through. Good good luck in the next round. Well, is um, it gonna be, I don't know if it's going to be one leg or two legs, but yeah. um, anyway, they'll get they'll get a trip north as ever. Yeah, indeed. Right, that is the weekend fully uh, wrapped up. Dave and myself will be back next week for all the latest uh, action from the British Basketball League. But for now, have a great week. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Yeah.